so many people that are like, oh my goodness, this person has been my best friend since kindergarten. And I have struggled my entire adult life to maintain adult friendships. Do you well, believe that it's one way like that? Or do you believe that you also can't put up with other people for that long too? Some people don't want deep connections. That is where I find the challenge. Either I am too much for them or they're not enough for me. I thought at this point in my life, I would married and have kids and do all of the American dream stuff, right? And have a white picket fence and all that crap. I have my white picket fence, but I'm not married and I have no children. What I see is some of the first relationships that people have are what you just described, where it's almost like a sensory seeking relationship, emotional yeah. sensory seeking. So the attraction is there to a person who has the big emotions, the big mm -hmm. personality. We tend to be drawn to people that are almost aggressive in their expression of emotions or desire for relationships or partnerships with us. Hey folks, this is part two of my conversation with Gwen Jansen. So if you missed part one, go back and listen to the last episode that was aired two weeks ago. Gwen and I just had so much to talk about. It was too much to put into one episode because I wanted to be sure and share all of it with you. Today, she really gets personal about her own relationships and how being neurodiverse has affected her relationships in dating, but also family relationships and friendships. Also, if you're really enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review because it really matters in how these podcast platforms deliver podcasts to people. Be sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube to make sure you get updates on all the latest videos that I publish there. I just want to thank you all so much for listening. You are my motivation for doing this podcast. In what way do you believe this neurotype that you have has influenced your own personal relationships in life, in family, friendships, romantic relationships, coworkers? How has it influenced what you bring to it and how you interact? Not to be melodramatic, but I think that it has completely influenced what I bring to relationships and those dynamics. I think that the entirety of what I carry in my backpack is the result of being someone with ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. I'm definitely someone that is more severe on the on the symptom kind of presentation, or I guess the impact that ADHD symptoms have on my life. But I will say that in friendships, family relationships, and romantic relationships, that ADHD shows up in every single one. We had a little bit of a challenging upbringing, and there's still kind of some challenging dynamics within our family, for sure, especially our immediate family. There's a lot of difficulty there. In friendships, I can say that I know so many people that are like, oh my goodness, this person has been my best friend since kindergarten. The oldest friend that I have, to be honest, it, it was my sister's first husband. He was mm. a, such a significant part of our life. They're still friends. They are fine, even though their marriage didn't work out. I have one friend from college and I have struggled my entire adult life to maintain adult friendships. My twin sister, whether this is common or not, is definitely my best friend for sure. She's my only lifelong and enduring friend. And I truly feel like probably the only person that really understands me to the core. Other than that, I've really struggled to maintain relationships. But then for whatever reason, we don't maintain that close bond that a lot of people talk about. Like they have with their, oh, my girlfriends and I go on the same trip every year and it's the same girls that we've known for 30 years. 
nobody puts up with me for that long. Or do you put up with anybody else? Do you well, believe that it's one way like that? Or do you believe that you also can't put up with other people for that long too? I think you bring up a good point. So I think it's both. I think it's mm -hmm. both in the sense that I think that I have definitely had some friendships deteriorate because it seems like it's been made pretty clear that like I'm a burden to them. Like the way that I express myself show up in these heavy things that I deal with in my day to day, just based on the way that my neurology is too much. Some people just want surface. They want right. somebody to go out to the bar with or take that trip with or whatever. They want to talk and gossip and whatever. I'm not somebody that would call someone at two o'clock in the morning, but you know what I'm talking about. Or the deeper level and stuff. Some people don't want deep connections. That is where I find the challenge. Either I am too much for them or they're not enough for me. Mm -hmm. and, and that's mm -hmm. not to be deprecating to the other person. But I have recognized at this point in my life that I have to have someone, friendship, relationship or otherwise, that is able to meet me on that level of deep connections and conversations it's proven that with adhd you experience emotions differently you truly have this ability to feel things on a completely different plane than maybe a neurotypical person has you are either friends or in a romantic relationship with someone that is not able to empathize with the fact that you're on that level that you and do, support yeah. you in the way that mm -hmm. you need that's going to be a problem definitely have found that in my friendships that's been kind of the breaking point is either they're not able to meet the needs that I have or expectations of them that I have in a friendship or like I'm just way beyond what they're interested in delivering to a relationship. Same thing with romantic relationships. Full disclosure, and this is not the way that I wanted it to be, but I've been single for over six years now. When I was younger, if you had told me that, I probably would have jumped off a bridge. I thought at this point in my life, I would married and have kids and do all of the American dream stuff, right? And have a white picket fence and all that crap. I have my white picket fence, but I'm not married and I have no children. Especially in today's day and age, it is extremely difficult to find someone who is willing to meet you on that deep level that's not already married. Because when I got out of my last relationship, I think I was 26. So kind of at that point where you're meeting people to marry and everything. So now that I'm almost 34, People that have that desire to have that deep connection and want that kind of solid foundational partnership to last a lifetime, they're already doing it. So for me, I never was in the right place or the right time or with the right person that wanted those things. Someone had posted the other day online about when you are neurodiverse, because you struggle with social cues or like you said you're not necessarily sure how to behave in certain situations you can always feel like you're like working so hard to figure out what the right way is i don't know what the research is on this because i personally i haven't found any but i think there's a valid point to this hypothesis that we tend to be drawn to people that are almost aggressive in their expression of emotions or desire for relationships or partnerships with us i've definitely found that as a trend in my relationships that sort of healthy normal of like you know it's not this like big giant fireworks show but it's you know what I mean but that's good and bad in the sense that this person just wants to love you and support you in a steady way they just want to be there and show up we don't know how to pick up on that when we encounter those types of people we may not register that interest or that desire and so what we end up gravitating towards is these people that are over the top. You know what I mean? But a lot of times that results in toxic relationships. The majority of the partners that I've had have fallen into that category where he seems so interesting, but then you turn into all of these negative aspects of 
why are they acting that way? That's not what I should be looking for. So again, I know that's a very nuanced and offshoot to the conversation. Not really, think- though, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know that the research is out there, but yeah. I can tell you anecdotally from my own observations and what I see is some of the first relationships that people have are what you just described, where it's almost like a sensory seeking relationship, emotional yeah. sensory seeking. So the attraction is there to a person who has the big emotions, the big mm-hmm. personality, the big color, lots of color there. But like you said, a lot of times those people end up being personality disorders. That's part of what the draw is. That's part of what their dysfunction is, those big aspects that you just described. You were a lot more articulate about it than I'm being. But what I see is when those relationships end, there's a swing to the other extreme, steady personality, like you were saying. There's not a lot of big emotions there. It's more of the, I want to provide for you and care for you. That is the autistic individual. I see a lot of partnerships where we have an ADHD partner with an autistic partner. And the autistic partner oftentimes is, sometimes has alexithymia with difficulty understanding and speaking the language of emotion. But that seems so attractive to the ADHD person who's been through trauma with a relationship with someone who's got a personality disorder that this person who doesn't really do emotion because they don't experience it they don't feel it in their bodies they don't really experience it they don't understand it but they're very stable in terms of wanting to care about you they're loyal they want to be there in your life so those two end up in relationships together and then you fast forward 15 20 years down the road and the the ADHD partner is really suffering because they don't speak the same emotional language So I've seen that pattern a lot. And it's interesting that you would bring up that the ADHD partner is originally attracted to those really big emotions in the beginning, because then I don't see them until down the road had traumatic experiences from those relationships. Well, it's attractive because we feel like that person is on the same level as us as far as what they can feel, right? This person mm-hmm. is so demonstrative in the way that they love. Yeah. We equate that to them being able to feel at a higher level as yeah. well, which is not always the case, but mm-hmm. that's how we interpret it. Yeah. This person mm-hmm. is so expressive. They must also feel on that level that's as deep as mine. It feels familiar. It feels like it feels in more of alignment with what, you know, who you are. To be honest, I have never dated someone that was a diagnosed autistic. And even the relationships that I had that were a little bit more with men that were more kind of that stable, even keel, like that was my last serious relationship. The one that was six years ago, I was with him for almost three years. We lived together. I totally thought he was the one. I thought I was going to marry this guy. We were looking at houses together. But over the course of our three years together, it was like pulling teeth, right? Certainly he was a good man. I am not trying to sit here and slander him. He was a good man. Not the right man for me, though. The whole time, it was like trying to get him to demonstrate or express in some way that made sense to me that he cared about me. And he just could not meet that need. It came to a point where there's nothing wrong with the way you love and there's nothing wrong with the way that I love. But it is wrong if we keep trying to make it work because it's clear that we can't meet each other's needs. And then when you find that middle of the road, you don't know what to do with it because it's not so extreme 
that it feels like they could meet me on this level, but they are showing a little bit of interest where I feel like it's clear. And so it's challenging. And I'm going to be honest, it's a lot of suffering, right? Trying to figure out how to find a romantic partner in today's day and age, and also just with a history like mine, right? I'm in my mid-30s at this point and trying to find a lifelong partner. And you almost get to the point where you almost want to resign yourself to being yeah. like, well, I'm just going to be single forever. And I think that it wouldn't surprise me if you hear that from some of your other clients or if you ever work with single people, but it can be very disheartening and a shot to the ego when you're trying to navigate all of these things. You sit there and question, is it possible for me to find happiness? Like, how it do feels I feel like a needle in the haystack? You didn't marry and divorce, but a lot of the people that I have worked with over the years have been in their second divorce and they're in their 40s or 50s and express very much what you just said about how do I find that middle ground? How do I find that? Like you said, everybody who's what they're looking for is already married in, an, in a stable relationship. I think what it comes down to is finding somebody else who is actually willing capable and motivated to do the work to understand yes. who I am, who you are. People ask me all the time, can neurodiverse relationships work? Can mixed neurotype relationships work? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I've seen it. But it takes both partners, both, not one person. One person can't carry it. It takes both partners being willing to go, okay, I need to really understand who I am. And I need you to help me understand who you are. It's not for you to come over to me and it's not for me to come over to you. But how can we show up together and be cognizant and respectful of who we each are and live in harmony together that way? I do see it happening and it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. But I don't think all relationships are hard and I don't want to take anything away from these folks. It takes work mm -hmm. to mesh two lives together, right? Yes. Take two individual people and try to make one existence. Try to share yep. enough things that you're sharing a life with another human. So in my opinion, if you don't have to put in at least a little bit of work, you're not paying attention or something. <laughs> like it, it should be a little bit hard, right? Because if it's easy, then, you know, are you not paying attention to something? Are you not working enough on yourself? If exactly. it's not hard at all, then chances are your partner is doing all the work and is right. and doing what is an overfunctioner. Your yes. partner is probably overfunctioning and adapting and accommodating you. That person should and will eventually burn out. That I was going to say, and how much resentment is happening there? How much burnout is going to occur? You're absolutely right. My sister, not to speak ill of her, because goodness, I wish I could take away all of the bad things that have happened to her, but she's working on her second divorce right now. Mom has been married and divorced three times. My biological father, I know, has been married at least four and divorced at least three. I'm not sure if there were more than that, but yeah, this absolute trend of those statistics within our family. And I just fell into the space that I've just been alone for a while. When you talk about the fact that you have to find someone that is willing to work as hard as you are, you can only meet another person as deeply as you've met yourself. So if that other yes. person has not met themselves deeply, they can certainly not meet you deeply. But in today's day and age of instant gratification, there's no consequences. And it's so easy to hide things. Part of me feels like everybody's cheating and everybody's unhappy and da-da-da, right? And so when you think about all of those things, like, 
the propensity for people to want to work hard on a relationship is dropping exponentially. The other challenge, it's rare to find someone who is willing to put in that work because they think, well, why would I want to do all that when realistically I can hop on Tinder and go and have a fun time with as many people as I want to? People don't want to work hard in relationships. The concept of relationship and marriage is really changing because a few generations ago, it was a partnership for survival. You needed two people. You needed the breadwinner, the person who worked. You needed someone to raise the family. You need all that and you need it to survive. Now it's not about survival anymore. It's a choice. It's a choice we make and we can choose. I've been single for six years. I'm divorced too. And I've been single for almost six years myself and been in and out of relationships, but can really relate to a lot of what you're saying. Relationships are about choosing. And so they can work when two people are both willing to come together. Nobody's expecting the other person to come over to their side. And of course, there's all sorts of stuff we bring to it with our attachment and our trauma. You add all that in for people who, as they get older, they're accumulating these things in their backpack that can really make relationships difficult. I don't want to make it sound like relationships are so hard. Don't do it. But it is important that people, like you said, I really agree with what you said. You have to meet yourself. You have to really get knowledgeable and get really close up and personal with yourself before you can really have any kind of a healthy relationship with someone else and know them. When I meet with people for podcasts, I love to just let the conversation evolve because usually that's what happens. And we end up talking about what needs to be said. And so this has been a great conversation. So glad. Yeah. May reach out to you again, though. Yeah, please. Definitely. It sounds like there's a lot more Uh, that I would love to hear your opinion on and just chat with you about it. Thanks, Jody. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you so much to all of my guests of season three of the Your Neurodiverse Relationship podcast. These folks are bringing their lives to you to help all of you out there who are trying to figure out your own relationships. If you'd ever be interested in being on a podcast, just email us at gethelp at jodycarlton.com. Also, be sure to visit me online at jodycarlton.com to see all the resources that I have available to you. Until next time, 